good morning sitting on a hill. So they surprised you, huh? Uh, so I'm going to get to, uh, to share with you this morning about the uh, tough issue of serving. And uh, hey, I understand uh, for some of you it may be a little challenging to understand me. I uh, grew up in England, if you didn't know, and I've been here 15 years. And whenever I speak with a microphone, people tell me, oh man, it's so much harder to understand you when you have a microphone. But I want you to put yourself in my shoes for a minute and uh, think about what it is like to be a British person living amongst all of you. Uh, let, me, uh, let me show you some English translations to uh, Texas right here. Uh, when we say, are you okay, you say, you good? When we say, you're okay, you say, you good. How have you been? You good? Did you get enough? Are you good? Stop talking to me. You good. No need to apologize. You good. You need some money. You good. You guys are the hard ones to get to know and to understand, okay? It's not, it's not me. Uh, so, hey, everything important is going to be on the screen in words. How about that? So if you can't really understand me, uh, you'll, get, you'll get the stuff you need. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk today about the uh, tough issue of serving. And, you know, if last week, uh, was primarily about uh, giving of our finances, and really today is about the giving of our time and the giving of ourselves. And uh, we're going to take a minute today to look at a famous parable that Jesus told and to look at the question that is asked in this conversation between the lawyer and Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to verse 29, and it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, Well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But this wasn't enough for the lawyer. He asked another question. And he, we start to see a little bit of his intent here in verse 29. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And we're going to get to talking about that today. But there's something we need to know about uh, this lawyer that is asking uh, Jesus, these questions that's trying to trap Jesus is, first of all, he is a man who has good understanding, okay? He is a teacher of the uh, law. He knows the law, and he knows uh, what he is asking about. And uh, we see this here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and verse 5 to 9, it says that you shall love the Lord your God with your heart and soul and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. He was taught diligently. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Uh, this was drummed into him. Okay, He knows he knows this scripture, what he's asking Jesus about. He's a man who has great understanding. His parents 
went to Lifeway and bought the nice wooden sign and put it up in the house. He knew this stuff, all right? But he was also a man of good standing, okay? He was a man who people looked to for answers. He was a man that people wanted to gain, typically, understanding from him. And so we know that there's some, uh, something else going on with the reasons that he is asking these questions. And we see the same attitude in, uh, in some of the Pharisees in uh, Luke chapter 7. So Jesus is talking about John the Baptist being the greatest born among women, right? And, and that the people and the tax collectors are, uh, are being baptized too, right? And, and they're kind of not happy about this. And it says in, in Luke 7 verse 30 that the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the purpose of God. So he's not trying to just get an understanding He's trying to get to what the purpose is. And um, Jesus begins to, uh, to kind of have a conversation with him. And we're going to look at that today. But, you know, the question that he asks, who is my neighbor, also infers that some people are not. Right? In the lawyer's mind, I've got some who are my neighbor and I've got some who are not. And according to this text, it means that some who deserve to be loved and some who do not. So Jesus gets into a conversation with him about this. And we're going to look at that today. You know, in my neighborhood, just eight minutes from here, uh, I love to do what I can to get to know my physical neighbors. And, um, you know, there's a few people in in our neighborhood who, uh, who like to keep their garage door open and they live kind of outside in their garage. They watch sports in their garage and they uh, spend time outside. And I love it because I get to stop by. And uh, during, during the four years that we've lived in our neighborhood, uh, I've gotten to spend plenty of time with different neighbors. As I uh, walk my dog, people stop and we talk in their, in their front yards. I've gotten to uh, yeah watch sports together with them. We've had deep conversations where I've learned from them and I hope They've learned from me. I've even been on vacation with some of our neighbors. And I love it. I love getting to know our neighbors. And one time I was driving home and I noticed a neighbor had the garage up and they were playing darts. And I like to play darts. In fact, I had a set of darts in my truck right here by the door. Sweet. So I pull over. I take the darts out and I walk up and I announce myself as I walk up the driveway and uh, introduce myself and put on the British charm and uh, try to uh, get myself invited into their life and into their home. And they invite me. And they invite me in and we play and we talk and uh, we get to know a little bit and, uh, about each other. And I thought, man, this is great. I've got another neighbor who uh, I can say hi to, I can spend time with, and I can stop by. And uh, from that day on... He never had his garage door open again. (laughs) I mean, I swear one time he pulled up to his driveway and ran in because he saw me coming, you know, and and that's not a joke that happened. And, uh, you know, sometimes I wonder if that is how we live our lives, is that there are some people who we are open door to and others that we are just closed to. You know, are we just like that? And uh, it seems that the lawyer is kind of getting to the to this kind of attitude. And so Jesus responds to him here in uh, verse 30 to 36. It says, A man, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among 
robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. We're going to come back to this word compassion here in a minute. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. You know, in Jesus' eyes, the one here who is a neighbor is not the one who was of the same religion. It's not someone who was of the same race. It wasn't someone who was of the same moral belief system. Man, this is really important for us to know that in Jesus' eyes, these people are very different from each other. And um, and so Jesus asked, which, thing, which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? I don't know if you see the difference in the lawyer's question and Jesus' question. The lawyer asks, who is my neighbor? Jesus asks, how can I be a neighbor? And instead of categorizing people, how can I just focus on myself and what it looks like to be a neighbor to all people. Um, you know, in Matthew 5, he kind of uh, backs this up, and this is a famous verse around here in this church, in verse 14 to 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That word, men, is not Christian men. <laughs> it's human beings, right? It's anthropos. Let your light shine so that human beings, all people made in God's image, which is all people, may see your good works and give glory to God. And he's making this connection with the lawyer that it's not the right question to even ask, who is my neighbor? So the lawyer answers him in Luke 10, verse 36 and 37, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. And um, I hope we kind of see Jesus' response to that as not just a throwaway comment or end of the story, just a way to wrap it up. Because he doesn't tell him, I'm glad you finally get it. He doesn't tell him, well, now you understand, and now you can know who your neighbor is. He says, now go and do it. And so much of the time in my life, you know, I come across these, these revelations in Scripture, and God just speaking to me, and in that moment, it's very powerful, and so quickly, I let that moment slip away without my actions changing, without making any different uh, choices with, with how I'm going to live my life according to what God has just revealed to me. Um, 
you know, I said we would come back to that word compassion that is in this story. And I wanted to show you a few, um, a few times in the Scriptures where Jesus demonstrates compassion for others. Because, you know, I read this um, by um, you know, Martin uh, Luther King. His last, uh, his last sermon before he died included the story of the Good Samaritan. And, uh, and he said that the priest and the Levite thought, if I stop to help the man, what will happen to me? Where the Samaritan thought, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to him? If I don't stop to help this man, what will happen to him? And there's a difference in these, these two mindsets that, that Jesus and the lawyer had. And we see this throughout through the life of Jesus uh, in the way that he had compassion. In, in uh, Matthew 9, 36, it shows us that he had compassion on the lost. It said when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They, the lost were his neighbor. In uh, Matthew 14, verse 14, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus saw the sick as his neighbor. Matthew 15, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint. And this part to me just really spoke to my soul because it's not just that Jesus sees his neighbors, the lost, the hurting, the hungry, and just sees that need and has compassion for it like he feels bad for them. It leads him, that compassion, to being unwilling to not do something about it. Like he was unwilling to send them away. He could have sent them away, but he was not willing to. And sometimes that is not true in my life. When I drive by people who are hungry, in this particular example, people who are asking for money for food, I sometimes feel bad for them and wonder about them. But I'm not always living my life with the attitude that I'm unwilling to just drive by and, and, uh, and leave them be, let somebody else take care of them. You know, in fact, my mind goes to all of the reasons why I might not should give them any money or why I should not help them. And, and, I, and I have an attitude of I'm willing to drive by them if I think they're going to spend their money on alcohol. I'm willing to drive by them if they don't look like someone who's trying to help themselves. You know, have these terrible attitudes that make me willing to, to move on past our own neighbors. Uh, in um, Luke 7, verse 12 and 13, it says, As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Jesus was a neighbor to the lonely, to the hurting. In Luke 15, 20, this is the last one we'll, we'll talk about here. And, and he said, and he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And, uh, you know, the story of the, good, of, uh, of the prodigal son is one that always gets to my heart just because of my own story just because of how I lived my life, and Jesus still was there for me. 
No matter all of the mistakes I had intentionally made in my life, His grace was still there for me. So this story always gets me. And as I read that this week, you know, uh, you know, I remembered that you know, there are times where I find it easier to have compassion for people who have been poorly treated or don't have as much as, as I do or some of, some of us here do. For people who, who don't have, I have compassion for. You know, Jesus calls it the least of these. I have compassion for the least of these. But do I have the same kind of compassion for the people who are a part of our church and part of our lives intimately and they mess up and they hurt my feelings and they do something stupid and they may, maybe they leave and then later on they want to come back. Do I have the same compassion for those people? You know, uh, in a conversation with uh, Brian Duncan this week, he said, there's grace for the knuckleheads. <laughs> and it's true, there's grace for the knuckleheads. And I have to realize that. And, and you may be sitting here and, and, and thinking about these examples of neighbors that Jesus had and compassion he had for people. And some of them is easier for you to care about and have compassion for and to love than others. You know, when you think about who is my neighbor, and is there anyone I would put in a category of people who I don't have compassion for or spend time on? These people are really important. This morning, these people are really important. Because God is, is, is pointing out to me this week, and hopefully pointing out to you this morning, that they are your neighbor and they deserve to be loved. Um, you know, I've seen uh, here in, in, our, in our church... Um, amazing, amazing things happen. And, uh, you know, I really believe that this is a church that is active. Okay, I really have seen that. And, and over, the, uh, over the, the time that I've been able to be serving in ministry, I've gotten to be part of multiple church staffs and uh, see how ministers work here and around the world. And this church is a congregation of people who give their time and they give their energy, and they give their resources. And I love to see it. And, uh, you know, there are so many opportunities for us to, to be the, the, the body to one another, right? It talks about this in Galatians 6, verse 9. It says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Well, we're going to talk about that here because this is really important. You know, um, when he says this, when Paul writes this to the church, the household of faith were the people who were most, uh, who were most under persecution and were most suffering more than anybody else. So when he says, like, you need to show love to everyone, but especially the household of the faith. He's saying you need to show love to everyone, and especially the people who are hurting the most, that need the help the most, that are under the most danger in their life. And we read it differently, because we're not under the same challenges that they were. And we read it as the church is my number one priority. Other Christians are my number one priority to love, to serve, to help, to be around, and then everyone else. That's just not the full intent of that passage. You know, and, and it's easy for us to do because most of the time, 
Christians respond in a different way, right, than those who are not. So it's, it's, even, it's easier for us to love and to serve our neighbors that are part of our fellowship, that, that are part of the church, that are Christian. And, um, you know, and so I see this all the way through Scripture. There are specific instructions in the way that we should love each other here in, in the church. Uh, it just following in Galatians 5 still, in verse 13 and 14, it says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Like, this is a command. Like, we should serve each other here in the church, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and throughout the rest of the New Testament, man, we see all these examples of what it means to love one another. First uh, Peter 1, 22, love one another constantly. Romans 15, 7, accept one another. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Comfort one another. Show hospitality to one another, which this one's really interesting because normally when hospitality is talked about, it's actually talking about strangers. Showing hospitality, most of the time in the Scripture is you being hospitable to someone who you do not know. Right here it's saying to one another, right here. And this is an important thing for us to see because I see this all the way through our church. There's so many ministries and opportunities for us to do that. So here are some of the, the ways I see these one another's playing out. And, and, and I see you guys, and I see uh, in my life the benefit of how we are treating each other as neighbors here at, at our church is through our life groups, through our freedom groups, and through our Bible study groups. These are our three main communities, right, where you really get to take care of one another. You learn together. Uh, you get to be authentic and real with one another, and you get to serve one another. That these are really practical ways and opportunities for you to either uh, to be a leader or a facilitator, for you to be a host, uh, and for you to contribute to this community. Um, here at, on the campus, there are, there are so many ministry groups. So our hospitality team do an amazing job, and I know that they always have need of more help, our sheepdogs. You know what, Brian Sharp, he uh, oversees our sheepdog uh, ministry here at the church. And he said, yeah, we always have need for, for more people. There, there's a place in our church for the big grumps to be able to serve. And it's with the sheepdogs. That's, what, that's his words, not mine. Okay, don't, don't shoot me. Okay, uh, our children's ministry and our youth ministry uh, have opportunity. And right now, you heard just last week, Derek talked about the need we have in our, in our children's ministry as people start coming back and the children start coming back, we need people to help. You don't have to teach. You can just be an aid or support, help with the activities. You'll be clearly instructed every week. And we have people all over the church that have been doing that, some of you, for years and years. And, and I see the church coming together in children's ministry and youth ministry, uh, in our worship team, in our media uh, booth in our grounds and facilities. You know, last week was really cool. I got to see uh, John get a pat on the back that he so deserves, you know, and when his name was mentioned, when John Lipitsky is mentioned, he really did get a, uh, a big hand, right? We gave him a big hand because he deserves it. He works hard around here. But some of you have the ability not to just give him a hand, but to lend him a hand, 
You know, he has so many ways for you to help, particularly outdoors, with our grounds, with our um, landscaping, with mowing, with our flower beds and the things outside. But there's some things inside that some of you have skills, and you can use your hands to really lend him a hand. Um, and so you guys have seen, this in, just here in the church, there's so many ways, and, and I know that you are already connected in serving in many of these ways. In fact, if you have ever served in any of these capacities, I want you to stand up in your chair right now. If you've ever served in any of these, life group, freedom group, Bible study, children's ministry, youth ministry, hospitality, man, this is amazing. This is amazing. You know what most churches is? is at a push, 20% of the room standing right now. This is really, really great to see. It's so great. Thank you all. You know, you guys, uh, you guys are, are being a neighbor to your brothers and sisters here at the church. Uh, but there are opportunities that we're going to get to share with you right now that go beyond our campus and into our East Fort Worth, particularly, community. There's so many great things that are happening to be a neighbor to those uh, right around our church building. And uh, I want to be able to, to tell you about these things. Okay, so we're going to uh, skip to Galatians 6, verse 9 again. It says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are household of the faith. This part that says, as we have opportunity, is also important because nobody here is supposed to do everything. Right? As we have opportunity means as you have the opportunity. And some of us are trying to do everything, and some of us have opportunities that we are not taking. Right? We have some time, we have some skills, we have these opportunities that we can serve, and, uh, and we just we, we kind of make excuses. I'm guilty of that. You know? And um, I'm already helping here and here and here, and so I'm yeah, probably going to leave that to somebody else. And some of, sometimes that's okay, and sometimes we need to wonder and ask ourselves, can I, can I do anything to love our neighbors beyond the church walls? Um, but there's some things I wanted to, uh, to tell you about specifically that's going on here in East Fort Worth that need help. And our church is involved in already, and they need additional support. So the first one here is the Women's Choice Resource Center. The Women's Choice Resource Center is an amazing ministry uh, right here on the east side of Fort Worth, and its goal is to assist uh, pregnant young women to find an alternative to abortion. And they do that by equipping them with everything they need, every option, every help, all the emotional support, all the spiritual support, all of the practical help after birth. If they, if they keep their little baby, and, and that's their prayer, I know it is, that wherever possible, that the mom and the baby stay together and grow up together, that they provide help for them. They provide materially. They provide diapers. They provide formula. They provide the things that they need as well as the support. And as I was talking with the director of the Women's Choice Resource Center this week, they informed me, man, we, we, we know that you guys give a lot financially. And that's a big help to them. And we're going to always continue to do that. And... Uh, but what they also said is they have need for guys to come alongside the dads and mentor those dads. It's about three hours a week 
that they're looking for men to give to the guys that are a part of this. They're looking for women that will help counsel and come alongside. And it doesn't have to be women that have experienced the same challenges that, that these young women are facing. But they need women that will come alongside these, uh, these young women and, and these girls and, and help them, and to love them, to serve them. They, they don't just want us to reach into our pocket. They want our help. They want our presence. Um, Meals on Wheels. Okay, Meals, who's heard of Meals on Wheels? Okay, good. A lot of you have heard about it. It's good. Right just out of this facility, just out of our gym building here, every week about 800 meals are delivered to our local neighbors that are homebound, either elderly or disabled, that need food. And they are not required to have to give anything for their food. This is a free service that is provided, money is raised for this to be able to take place. And we have the opportunity, we already get to host that, prepare that, and get it sent out. And of the, out of the whole of Tarrant County, East Fort Worth is the fastest growing need for meals. They have four routes. A route typically consists of about eight to ten homes uh, that you would deliver food to. They have about four routes. That's about 40 homes uh, that are currently needing people to commit to serving and bring in those meals each day. It's in the mornings, and they need people that can do just one, one day a week. Uh, they could take people that can do five days a week, you know. And, and what I learned is that as I went on one of these routes this last week, and I helped uh, one of our members here, Miss Jeannie Veneta. She's very involved with Meals on Wheels. And, uh, and uh, I got to sit with her, and, and as she drove to these places, and I took the meals, delivered them to the homes, and I got to meet these people and just talk to them for, for a minute. You know, and, uh, you know, some people would reach out, thank you, take the bag, and that's, that's the contact they want. Maybe during the corona world, that's part of the challenge. But, um, but there others would stay in at the door and just talk, you know, and, uh, and it was just really great to hear a little bit about their story and what's going on and how I could pray for them. There's a need right here. You know, Tarrant County is in the top 10 counties uh, for food insecurity in the nation. That's crazy. And we've got the opportunity right here to make a practical difference, and it's provided, it's equipped, and we just have to get you guys to help. Sign up. Um, uh, so Meals on Wheels, uh, Women's Choice Resource Center. There's another uh, ministry that is six-minute drive from here. It's called Eastside Ministries, and they have a food bank and clothing distribution uh, set up uh, for, for those in uh, five different zip codes local to us that need help. And so every morning they have need for, us to, for people to, to show up, and you don't have to call ahead. You can just show up between the hours of 9 and midday. And they will put you to work, helping organize, unload the food that is being delivered from uh, grocery stores. And uh, sometimes they'll have you working in the clothing store, organizing. They have different things all the time. In fact, we've just put out a, uh, in our brand new uh, City Life Center, which was formerly the home point to the right-hand side out of these stores. Uh, there's a, a basket where some of you have been delivering candy for Halloween. Thank you for doing that. Um, well, will now be a, a point for you to drop off donations. Okay? We'll have this every week. It'll just be there as a list of things that you can bring to donate, and we'll take them down to Eastside Ministries uh, every Monday 
and, uh, and hand that to them. But if you have the time in your days, there's another opportunity for us to serve our neighbours in East Fort Worth. You know, some of the ways that we serve our neighbours who are in Fort Worth actually happen here on the campus. So our basketball church is not running right now. Thursdays for our men and Fridays for our uh, teenagers. Um, you know, after it got shut down with corona and we weren't able to, to gather, um, we're ready to get things going again, but we need extra help. You know, two, two men on a Friday night, um, it's, it's challenging for two men to oversee a ministry for 40 teenage boys. And um, we're kind of waiting for extra help before we can get that going again. But, uh, you know, during my time as student pastor here, we've held uh, funerals for teenagers that were not part of our church. One that was shot at a party on the east side of Fort Worth on a Friday night. I didn't know him, but many of the guys who come here do know him. And, uh, and I can't help but think about the kind of trouble and challenges that some of our guys are getting themselves into while we don't have a safe place for them to come on a Friday night. And, uh, you know, we've seen over the years, we've seen people come into our basketball church ministry, um, learn about Christ, uh, commit their life to Christ, get baptized right here in our church sanctuary, and, and are growing in their faith. And it's amazing to see that happen. And my heart wishes I could see that happen over and over and over again with every one of the guys that we meet through this outreach. But even if we never saw a single person come to faith through the ministry we're doing in that building, it would still be the right thing to do. To provide a safe place for them to be on a Friday night, to provide a meal to give them a nourishing meal, which is not always nourishing, it's normally pepperoni pizza, but, you know, to give, them a, to give them a free meal, to give them a safe place, and to tell them every week, you are loved, you are loved. You're loved by Jesus Christ, and you are loved by this church. And we really want to get this going again, and as we move towards the holidays, it, I know it presents challenges, but we need, particularly, we need men that can help us in there. We need three men that will help give us a rotating schedule of, of people that can help and serve and be a part. And then we need people that will continue to serve meals and provide meals for those boys to, to eat. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, but on the third floor of our gym building, uh, we, we committed that entire one-third of the gym building to the Police Athletic League. So it's run by the Fort Worth Police and we have converted it to a uh, boxing training center. So there's a boxing ring and there's a, uh, a gym uh, full of equipment for them to train. And um, the goal of the uh, Police Athletic League is to, similar to the uh, basketball church, is to, to get kids into a safe place, to get them off the street, but to build relationship with the police. The police are volunteering there to, to train them, to teach them in skills of boxing, and they're building relationships with them all of the time. And uh, this is a service that, man, my heart is so glad. Just imagine in 2020 that right here in our church we have a place where the police are making these efforts to, to unite with the youth in, in our community. 
you know, and to build those bridges here in our community. And it would be amazing to have members of our church that are there just serving and helping, getting to know some of these kids and inviting them to come back and, and be a part of, of what's going on here at, at City on a Hill. Um, and then uh, lastly here is uh, with uh, All Stars. Okay, so All Stars Daycare, you heard uh, James and Derek talk about it last week. It's a separate business to our church. Um, it provides daycare during the school day for preschoolers, for babies and infants, preschoolers. And, uh, and then in the evening, uh, after school is finished, for the parents who don't get off at 2.30 in the afternoon, uh, we have an after-school program. And the after-school program, uh, we uh, have the kids that get picked up in the white vans. You know the, the wonderful-looking white vans that you see in our parking lot? They get picked up, and they get brought to that facility, and, uh, and they are looked after until their parents get to come and pick them up. And I read these statistics uh, last year uh, about at what age in the United States of America, if somebody's going to come to faith, what age that will happen, just according to Barna's statistics. And uh, I'll put this up here on the screen for you. It says that almost half of all Americans who accept Jesus Christ as their Savior do so before reaching the age of 13, so 43%. And that two out of three born-again Christians, 64%, made that commitment to Christ before that 18th birthday. So we have all these kids coming into our church facility after school, and we know that if they accept Christ, it's likely going to be during these years. We have this window every day after, after school that they're here. And so Emma and I got together and said, we've got to do something about this. And in our partnership with, uh, with the Pays Movement and, um, and some other volunteer help, we started a chapel. So on Wednesday nights, um, from uh, four, let me make sure I get this right, because this is where I'll go home and hear about it if I don't. Uh, from 4.30 till 5.30, okay? On Wednesdays from 4.30 till 5.30, uh, we run a chapel, and the primary goal is to share about the love of God in that thing. It's very evangelistic, very gospel-driven, and we'll give them the opportunity to know Christ at an early age. And um, we, we, we are restarting that chapel this Wednesday, okay, this coming Wednesday. And so for the same reason that we need help on Sundays with our children from within the campus, we need two or three helpers that will help my wife Emma run this chapel with our after-school daycare and pray and hope that there's kids in there that are going to come to know Christ at this early age. And um, so there's so many cool things that are being done and so many opportunities to be a neighbor to uh, people right here on East Fort Worth. And then lastly, I want to share this with you before I finish up, because I know there are people who don't know about the global mission and the global partnerships that we have. And we talked about money last week, uh, that as a church, I want you to know this, as a church, we give $43,800 every year to global mission. Out of, out of the money that James and Derek talked about, we've allocated $43,000 to the work of the kingdom of God being expanded outside of our country, let alone outside of our church walls. 
And, uh, you know, as we kind of looked at and they were kind of figuring out the budget and what needed to be moved and cut, none of that was cut. It's valuable what these ministries are doing. And, and it's done through partnered ministries. Uh, Women's Choice Resource Center does receive a, a portion of that, a small portion of that. But the rest of it is international. Uh, so Seed Company, okay, Seed Company is a Bible translation ministry. Uh, it's kind of a division of Wycliffe, uh, but it's a very short-term uh, project. So, you know, the uh, Wycliffe Bible translation may take 30 years and they go to a place where they translate the Bible into their language, the entire Bible. Uh, the seed company actually just takes one book, maybe something like the book of Mark, and they teach the people from that uh, place how to translate it into their language. And so they translate one complete book, and then they leave them with the knowledge of how to translate the whole Bible. And they've taught them a skill, and they teach them how to do that. Our own church members, the Hannas, are a part of that, and we support them. They have been serving in Indonesia and bringing the, the truth of God to life to people who have never been able to read it before. This is amazing that we get to be a part of that. Uh, the International Mission Board is a, is a Baptist uh, missionary organization that uh, Baptist churches all around the United States contribute to uh, so that these missionaries that go all over the world, and you can put the statistics up if you want to, uh, just while I'm talking so I can save a minute of time here, but uh, where uh, these people go out to uh, serve in all these different countries around the world, they get to focus on doing the gospel work of sharing the truth uh, of, of Scripture of sharing the love of God, of just being able to be there to do the work and not have to use their time raising finances to support themselves and their own family. The International Mission Board supports them through the church's giving, uh, through our church and other Baptist churches around the United States. And uh, just last year, uh, they saw 89,325 new believers globally through the, through the work of the International Mission Board. This is amazing. It's amazing that we get to be a part of that. You guys, when you give, you are a part of that. Uh, the Pays Movement, okay, the Pays Movement is huge uh, in, in, in my life, and it was the driving factor for me to, uh, to be in ministry. And uh, their primary goal is to uh, equip believers to disciple others, to teach them how to study the Word. And they go into, into the world, right? they go into schools, into businesses, into communities, with an aim to connect the people that they reach back into a local church. And, and without the local church, Pace Movement doesn't work. And, um, you know, we've been a part of partnering with Pace uh, here at this church for about almost 10 years. Next year will be 10 years. And in different ways, we've had Pace teams here going into our East Fort Worth schools, and supporting our student ministry. Uh, this year, we don't have that same type of partnership. Uh, we've moved into a partnership with Pays on a, a more global scale to where we have hosted their conferences here for them. Some of you have been to those conferences. Uh, when their missionaries all come in once a year from all of the six continents that they serve on, they come to Arlington, Texas, once a year of all places, right, to be trained before they go back and we've welcomed them here on that Sunday to share their stories and given them a, a platform to be able to hopefully be encouraged by us. 
Um, over this uh, coming uh, year, 2021, we are going to continue to host a PACE team, but they won't be a team that works in the local schools of East Fort Worth, but they will be working in the global office, equipping all of the teams around the world to do the same work that we've seen be successful right here. Man, this is so cool. We're going to have five of the PACE global team that are working right here. One of them is already here. Is RJ. He's behind the camera back there. You can turn around and make him embarrassed. Uh, and then we have two more girls from Brazil that will come as soon as uh, the U.S. allows those borders to open and for Brazilians to be able to come here again. And we already have two amazing host families lined up for them to go and connect. Then we have two more we just learned of last week. One girl from Canada and one girl from the Dominican Republic that we need two families to take care of them. And so uh, it's basically a room, a private room in your home for them, a bedroom for them to stay, and meals. They eat with you or they can just pack up your groceries, whatever you, you guys decide. We have a need for two more host homes uh, starting in January. They'll get here right after the holidays and uh, we're looking for those two opportunities. And then lastly, the one that you guys know most about is the Compassion International. And our church has sponsored over 500 children over the years. And this is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing, the way that they bring these children out of physical poverty, but also out, out of poverty spiritually, and teach them about Jesus. And I've been to Kenya, to where we have most of our sponsored children in Nakuru, Kenya, and seen the work that they have done every Saturday when they bring those kids into the center and teach them about Jesus Christ. It's amazing, and it is life-changing. And many of you have kids who have aged out, and it may have kind of come out of your mind, you know, to, to look for a new child to sponsor. And so uh, we're going to be providing you with a link. Uh, I'm going to show this here to you here in just a moment, um, where you can get uh, back to the, the page on the Compassion International website, um, to uh, sponsor a child directly from the Nakuru Center. So should we go back to Kenya, that the hope is that you will get to meet your child and tell them with your own mouth while you look them in the eyes that they are loved. That's a lot, right? It's a lot of things. A lot of things that we're doing, a lot of things that we're doing here for each other, a lot of things we're doing in our local community, and a lot of things that are, are going on around the world. And so... I'm going to wrap up with this. Um, we're in our, our City Life Center, you'll be able to find more information about all of those things. And uh, on our website, you have seen this before. If you go to, to small groups, you're able to see that there are life groups, uh, and there are Bible study groups, and there are freedom groups. We have a fourth group, is, which is a volunteer opportunities. Okay, and the volunteer opportunities uh, basically just directs you to me. And, um, and you can tell me where you would like information about, and I will call you, and we'll get with you, and we'll hook you up with the right person, whether that's to serve in the church, or whether that's to serve in our East Fort Worth community, and we will get you plugged in. And so, uh, you know, just uh, last week, uh, or two weeks ago, James talked about storming the gates of hell. He talked about storming the gates of hell, and he said we can... We can storm the gates of hell and advance the kingdom in, in our church and in our city, and we may die trying, or we can sit and do nothing, and we'll die anyway. And I see that this is a church that is advancing the kingdom here, is advancing the kingdom in our community, 
And I just encourage you not to give up on that. There's so much need out here. There's so many neighbors who need us. And I can't wait to see what 2021 has in store. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to just uh, highlight the kingdom work that is being done right here on our doorstep and right here in our church. I thank you for every uh, man, woman, and, and child here that has given of their time and their skills. And uh, Lord, I pray that as, uh, as we share these ideas today, Lord, that you would please just lead each person here to how you want to use them into loving people who they find it challenging to love and into continuing to serve those who they have already faithfully served for so many years. And Lord, I pray that they will know that you are pleased with what you see. Amen. Amen. Yes. How exciting is this? You know, so many people talk about this uh, throughout the years, and, and we've heard people ask, you know, well, what is our church doing? Are we, are, why aren't we interested in missions? Why aren't we interested in serving? And we're always like, what does that mean? I feel like we're, we're doing so much. But it occurred to us, you know, really recently that we just don't have all this information out there for you. It's not readily available, and so we've changed that. As Chris mentioned there at the end, the website, the City Life Center, that will continue to uh, transform. Go in there and check it out today, but keep going in there because we have more and more things that are going to be going in there that really reflect the heartbeat of this church, whether it be our small groups, our outreach, the kids and youth. There's, it, it all works together, as you can see. And, and Chris asked me at the very end to come up and and kind of close this out, because here's the last thing we want you to take away. We don't want you to hear Chris talk about all this and go, oh, that's really great that the little community pastor guy has his own little outreach thing. James and I fully support, endorse, and are pumped about this. This is not just the community pastor, right? This is City on a Hill. So much so that, again, we have allocated a, a minister to this ministry to this. This is so important. It's so vitally important. And I love what he said, not who is my neighbor, but how can I be a better neighbor? We can be, and we can provide you all the tools to be even better than you are right now. So I hope you'll take that to heart. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you.